0: Heavenly Father, this is your word. Help us to be molded to it. In your name I pray. Amen. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. We have been studying um, these past few weeks the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to thank Greg and the leadership for his vision in doing this. It's been incredibly challenging to me in many ways but more so than challenging, it's been incredibly encouraging, guys, to hear about God's love for us on a weekly basis, to be encouraged into prayer. Um, And and I'm going to now continue that series, that that sermon series, Uh, and I, I long that it would continue to be encouraging to you, that you would see better the love Christ has for us, the love that the Lord has for you, that you would be molded to his word, and I had a counseling class I had a number of counseling classes, a covenant, and one of um, the things that they talked about or it was told to my class, and i 'm not a counselor, so if this, is, this is bad, if this is bad information, counselors please I could be misrepresenting my professor, I don't know, please have mercy um, they said. Don't ever take a client somewhere that you haven't worked on yourself. Don't don't go, if you have anger problems, and you've not worked on those anger problems, don't don't move your client towards dealing with their anger problems. Send them to someone else. Um, I see some heads nodding, and that <laughs> that makes me feel really good. Uh, so I don't think I uh, misrepresented my professor. Here's the problem. I'm going to take you somewhere where I haven't gone. I'm going to go somewhere with you. That's still that's still a major struggle in my life. And I want to be open and I want to be upfront about that. And I will get passionate about this because I love it. Um, know that my passion in this text is going to be primarily about the ideal that I long for. The ideal that I want to be molded to. The life that God calls me to not necessarily the life I've found yet. I'm still trusting in Christ, and He's making me new every day. But this is this is this is the danger of this this dive as a as a pastor. I can never tell you purely, I've got it. Listen up. Here's the good news. This is you and this is me coming to the word of God and saying, Oh, Lord, help. Make this me. Make this me and begging it. You know, that's been essentially the uh, theme of this series. Reading through the Lord's prayer, hearing all all of the petitions that were taught to them and saying, Lord, may this be the case for me. One of the most encouraging things about the Lord's Prayer, brothers and sisters, is that the Lord's Prayer, in the book of Luke, the context of it, it comes out of a question. It comes almost out of a prayer, if you will, on its own. There's a lot of books out there, a lot of books out there that talk about how to pray and how to be a good prayer, how to have those spiritual disciplines. Um, uh, We love the book that Paul Miller wrote. We've been talking about it. But something took me aback in it this last week. And it's not because he said something wrong, but because my heart is jealous and sinful. Um, he he said, I didn't learn how to pray. Never mastered prayer. I just woke up and found I was good at it eventually. It took a long time. It was a process. And I wanted to be like, don't you tell me that you're good at it now. <laughs> no. I want you with me. we We're struggling. Jesus goes up onto this mountain and is praying. And this is the context of the teaching on the Lord's Prayer in the book of Luke. And his disciples see them, just see him praying, and they say, Oh man, I want that. Jesus is up there praying with his father for hours, and the disciples are seeing it, and they say, Oh, we want it. And so Jesus comes back down. And the disciples do something, and guys, I'm gonna break another rule be like the disciples in this. Alright? I'm breaking all kinds of rules today. Be like the disciples in this because they don't act like they're praying. They don't try to put on as if they know what Jesus is doing and they're like, yeah, we're there too, buddy. (laughs) What a great day. Spiritual day. Hmm, God's juices are flowing today. Right? No. They look at Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. I want that. Which you have, I want. And here's the best news. Here's the best news. Because your Savior, the one who was teaching them, the one who was walking with them, the one who talked in so many parables, suddenly drops the parables. Right? There's one other time that I can think of that he does this this directly, and, and Greg has talked about it. It's when someone has wronged you. He drops the parables and he says the prayer. When you pray... Pray like this. Let me give you something concrete to dive into. Let me give you something that you can pray. This is how you pray. What you want is good. I'm going to teach it to you. If you're out there and you're struggling with prayer, and it is a weekly battle for you, if it is a daily battle, where you get to the end of the day, and I don't, maybe it's not even a battle. Maybe you just didn't even do it. <laughs> right? You get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, Thank you for this food. In your name I pray, amen. Which is also a very wonderful prayer. Right? But if that's your experience of prayer, I'm begging you to take the tone of the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Please. He will take that request. And he will promise to fulfill it. At the very end of this Luke passage, he says, Guys, if you who are evil know how to give good things to the ones that you love, good things to the ones that ask you, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good things to you? If you ask Him to teach you to pray, I promise you, He will. And I promise you, not on my own knowledge or my own experience, because I have begged Him to. I promise you on the text On the Word of God, that God promises, I will give this to you. Now, to the petition that I'm covering today, (laughs) the other thing that I find so beautiful about the Lord's Prayer is when Jesus tells you to do something, He tells you to do it because it's the best possible thing for you to do. It's not because He wants to see you do it, it's not because He likes to feel like He's in control or He has power. It's because he genuinely loves you and wants to see you thrive and flourish. So he says, hey, call your dad father. Call God father. He's your father. I want you to do that so you know his relationship, his love to you. Pray that his kingdom would come. Pray that his name would be hallowed. If those things happen, it's for your benefit. It's good for you. Pray that his will would be done. If it happens, it's good for you. Pray for your daily bread, which is just so sweet. I mean, can you imagine? Like, like God's like saying, hey, this is how I want you to pray. Hey, make sure that you're asking for food because I know you need it. And he knows you need it too. So take that request to him. That's how well your father knows you. He knows the very things that, that you need just to get by on a daily basis, right? Pray for your daily bread and then flowing right off of daily bread. That same idea, do this daily. Pray, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Brothers and sisters, you are called daily into confession. Now there's a couple of ways that we look at confession. And none of them are necessarily biblical. Um, The first one that comes to mind is the one that I'm most connected to, and that is that confession seems like the only prayer that I know how to do in a negative way, right? I am such a worm. I am so disgusting. All I can ever do is, oh, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And guys, that's not actually um, a prayer of forgiveness. That's a prayer of self-loathing, all right? I suck, period. I am such a worm, and God, that you can even bear to forgive me is beyond what I can imagine, oh I'm so awful I'm so awful I'm so awful forgive me I'm awful forgive me I'm awful right so that's one way we think about confession uh, the, <laughs> the other one is that we view it kind of as a trap some of us do maybe not none of you do um, but I have before oh no if I let them know I'm toast if I let him know I'm toast I can't give them any crap to throw at me. If I give them crap to throw at me, they'll throw it and I'll be covered. right? It's a trap. Um, this is kind of like the way that in A Few Good Men, if you guys have seen that movie, I'm not necessarily recommending it, but I'm recommending it. <laughs> I love it. And at one point, uh, you know, oh, Jack Nicholson. Uh, his name escapes me. Oh, Nathan Jessup. I wrote it down. So Nathan Jessup... <laughs> Nathan Jestive says uh, he's he's on the stand and uh, Luke uh, Caffey is grilling him on the stand and trying to get him to confess that he had to uh, had one of his soldiers um, roundabout way killed and uh, the guy says you can't handle the truth right no you can't handle me I do what I do because I need to do it right and then uh, once he does confess to what he did and the punishment is being laid on him, he looks at Kathy in the face and runs at him, lunges his body at him, and Jack Nicholson has like a fantastic face. It's not necessarily an attractive face, but it's just like a face that like if he gets angry, you're like, ooh, you're a snake. You know, he's Ah I'm gonna rip your head off and I'm gonna tear your eyes out. I'm gonna go to the bathroom in your skull, which is what he says. And it's just like the most violent I'm sorry. That was a little I went too far. (laughs) Okay. Right? It's just like the most violent, guttural reaction to being found out. Right? Oh, no. Don't you dare get me to confess. Right? Um, And then Kathy says, you're going to prison. You jerk, essentially. Um, uh, So some of us view it as this, this trap. None of us really view it as something that we enjoy. There's like the Luther stand too, right? Where he just constantly is coming back to seek forgiveness. He's constantly coming back to seek forgiveness. And then he walks away and he's like, oh no, here's another one. Right? And you got to earn. you got to earn it. you got to earn that forgiveness. If Jesus were telling you to confess your sins in any of those ways, he would not be a kind Savior. He would not be a kind King. That's not his motive. That's not what he wants to see from you, friends. It's not. That's an abusive thing. I mean, Nicholson got what was coming to him. He deserved, you know, to confess and and, and to be put down for it. But that's not what Jesus is calling for us. No, what he's calling us, the way he calls us into confession is so much more beautiful and he takes all of the backdrop of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and he pours it into this simple statement: "Forgive us our debts." So we're going to talk. We're going to turn to Psalm 32, and this is where this is what the sermon is actually about. <laughs> so all of that was introduction, fun. Um, now it's time to engage the passage. This is on page 868 on your pew Bibles at 869. Um, please follow along because. The way I I do sermons is just really kind of dig into the nitty-gritty of this. So if you would turn with me there, 869. Um, Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Selah. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah, therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule. It's good to hear you all flipping the pages. (laughs) Which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him rejoice in the lord and be glad you righteous sing all you who are upright in heart what's going on here you guys ever heard that song um strumming my pain with his fingers singing my life with his words killing me softly with his song killing me softly with his song that's what the avid brothers do to me (laughs) in their song called shame Right, I don't know if any of you like the Abbott brothers, and let me tell you about my um, appreciation of music real quickly. I don't appreciate music well. I like specific songs if they like play my heartstrings, and I don't bother listening to any of their other stuff. I had a friend talking to me last week, and he was saying talking about an album, uh, a band that I actually really liked. I liked at least some of their songs. And he was talking about an album that I'd never heard of. And he started talking about songs that I was like, ah, dang it, I don't know these songs, Sam. Sticks is awesome. I wish I had listened to more of their music, but I, I just can't. I can't stick with it. Yeah, you know who you are. I, I just can't stick with it. And um, I don't like fall out or fill out uh, a band. The Avid Brothers is like the one CD that I bought, and I love almost all the songs on the CD. And the title of the song is really apropos. It's emotionalism, <laughs> which is me, to a T. Um, and one of the, the choruses in the song is shame. Boatloads of shame. Day after day, more of the same. Blame. Please take it off. Please make it stop. Please take it off. If that hits a chord with you, then we're looking at the right passage right now. If that doesn't hit a chord with you, we're looking at the right passage right now, okay? Like, this is, this is part of the reality of our lives. We all deal with shame. Now, shame is a buzzword. There is shame that I want to dislodge. There is shame that has no place in your life. There's shame about certain things, whether you wear your pants too high, whether you wear your jeans too baggy, whatever that's not linked with sin that does not have any say of your over your life, and that's not what this passage is talking about. There's another kind of shame. where you just feel awful for the wicked thing you did. That's an appropriate shame, my friends. That's a conscience that's working. That's guilt. Doing what it's supposed to do, right? I love we're talking in my counseling sessions about shame all the time. We're trying to dislodge it from my personal counseling sessions, not counseling sessions with that I'm the counselor I couldn't talk about those. But um like in my own personal counseling sessions, we're trying to dislodge shame all the time. And it's really good. And I don't want you to be shackled by shame. But I do want you to feel shame When you do something that is deserving of shame, I want you to feel that. It's good. Because it helps you to cry out and long for salvation and say, no, I hate this. Shame is good. The opposite, in this case, of what I'm talking about, would be apathy. Oh, I stole his bike, but I don't really care. Culture made me do it. (laughs) Right? Oh... I punched him in the face. I don't really care. He made me do it. Right? Jack Nicholson. I do what I need to do to keep you safe. I'm not ashamed of what I've done. Right? I'm talking about the type of shame that says, ooh, I shouldn't have done that. And I know I shouldn't have done that. That shame is not necessarily bad, my friends. And it's actually good. And the psalmist wants us to dig into that shame. So, there are three ways he talks about sin. And those three ways bring up shame in my own heart. The first one, in Psalm 32, oops, I got to flip back. 32 verse one. Transgressions. 32 two, sin. Uh, th- sorry, 32 one, transgressions. 32 one, sins, and then 32 two. It says sin again. The word is actually iniquity. There are three different Hebrew words there. All right. So, when we talk about transgression, we're talking about outright open rebellion. You're, you know, this is Finding Nemo, a little fish. He swims up to the boat. They don't call it the boat, right? And, and, and they're like, What's he doing? His dad's like, Don't you dare touch that boat. And he looks at him right in the face, touches it, and then starts swimming back, right? This is like the four year old, well, my life. It's when I tell someone not to do something, and they look at me and they say, No, I'm going to do what I want. Right? Like, that's that's what this kind of, trans, that's what transgression is. Outright, open, mm, get off of me. Get away from me. I'm going to do what I want. I don't give a care about who you are. Right? Second one is a sin. It's chata. This one, like, really gets to me. This is the one that I feel all the time. It's missing the mark. <laughs> the mark being God's holiness. It's Oh, my arrow fell short. Oh no, I didn't hit the goal. Ah, I missed. It's that the timer's going out, and the uh, you know you got three, two, one. You're in position. You have the shot. You take it, and it bounces off the top of the backboard, and you lost. Right? Missing a basket's not a sin, but that's the kind of sense that you get. Right? Oh, I missed the mark of holiness. I missed His holiness. The third one. Is kind of a weird one to me. It's iniquity or need of guilt, right? You're guilty, guilty, guilty. I tell you, guilty. That's that's like that third one, which is also a very willful um, throwing off of God's law, right? Now, I'm not talking about three different kinds of sins here. The Hebrew poetry is doing its thing so that you can um, kind of see the full blood, the full bud of what sin is, right? The most horrible one, though, the one that gives him um, the most pain is in this final part of verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When God is talking about blessed is the person, Right? Every one, of these, every one of these times, he's talking about how happy this guy is. He's a sinner. He's missed the mark, right? He's openly rebelled against God. He's betrayed God. He is guilty of his sin. Every time, happy is he because he's forgiven. Happy is he because his shame is covered. His transgression is lifted from him. This final one is the one that will drive you deep into the mire and it's the one I want to warn you about. Happy is, uh, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Alright, now the psalm is going to move into what he means by that. Verse 3, when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was set as in the heat of summer. He's covering it up. Yes, he's a sinner. Yes, he's done these wicked things. But what's going to destroy him is not the sin necessarily it's that he won't confess it right he will not open it up he will not let it come into the light i was talking with the high school and middle school this morning technically mark was talking and i just kind of piped in but um this is uh, i am legend the hive if any of you have seen i am legend um, Will Smith is like the only person who doesn't get this disease and everyone else has got this disease. And if they come, if they, they come into the light and they're kind of vampires, they're are looking to eat um, Will Smith. I can't remember his name in the film. But if they come into the light, they just dissolve. They get attacked, right? And they hate it and they die in the light. David is saying, the psalmist, when I wanted to keep it hidden, It destroyed me. You're going to sin. You're going to miss the mark. You're going to have the touching the boat moment. Right? Outright rebellion. That's not going to make you unhappy. It's not going to take away the blessing the Lord has given you. What will take away the blessing the Lord has given you is when you don't come to Him with it. This is the monster, my friends. This is the monster of secret sin. This is the monster of sin that you don't want anyone to see. The mask you wear. And David says right here in the depths of the psalm, it's, a mon- it's, it's destroying me. The language he uses is just very intense. Um, my bones wasted away. My bones literally grew old and brittle. the pain, the physical pain. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me, and that groaning is like a lion roaring. Right? The psalmist is just saying, "I tried to look good. I tried to make it look good. I tried to make no one know. I covered it up, I hid it, and inside, I am a volcano." eating myself alive. It's destroying me. It's eating me up. It's killing me. I can't handle it. And this all turns at a drop of a dime. Right? He goes from being deceitful in His silence to speaking in verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I said... You hear the, 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 the contrast between the silence and the saying, between the deceiving and the acknowledging. First John one eight, right? If you deceive yourself and say that sin is not in you, and you're not with him. Greg says this all the time, guys, and it's the most beautiful thing for a pastor to say. And I really appreciate him for it. He always says, guys, there is one vow in this membership vow that I, that I can't keep. Or that one vow that I can keep on my own. And that's the admission that I am a sinner. I know myself to be a sinner. I can take the mask down. I do not have to cover this up. Guys, secret sin will eat you alive. It will eat you alive. Get it out. Open your heart to it. See it for what it is. See how it destroys things. See how it destroys yourself. Jesus loves you. Forgive us daily our debts. Open up the cavities to the light of God's life. That's the call. That's the call. And then, once He does, friends... Look at the turn. I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach you. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. This is the exuberation, the life of knowing you're forgiven. This is the good news, friends. This is it. He's saying, I admitted to it. I let you know. And the weight and the mighty waters and the, the anguish that I felt, it's gone. My God loves me. And He came and He pulled me out. And we're not talking about regeneration. We're not talking about just becoming a Christian, though that is part of it. This is the daily life of the Christian. Guys, know your Father loves you. Know He's forgiven you. Know that the shame that you feel can be covered. It is covered. Talk to Him. I had a friend who worked at a church who had a secret sin. He cherished it. And it destroyed his family. It destroyed everything at his ministry. It destroyed many students' lives. It absolutely crushed this man. And it crushed the ministry that he was doing. I don't know, friends, I I don't know what you may be harboring what you may be covering up. I know what I cover up. I know what I don't want you to see. I know what I don't want God to see either. So I know that it's there for you too. And I want you to have freedom. I want you to be able to look that, that wickedness in the face and say, you have no right here. Lord, forgive me. I want you to know your Father to be... Um, The one who will protect you when the mighty waters rise. Who will be your hiding place. Who will quiet the distress for you. That's what Jesus is saying when He says, guys, pray daily. Pray daily. Confess, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts, that you may know this life, that I may know this life, that I may know this goodness, that you may know this goodness. Now, here's some of the best news. In that, in that place, God speaks in. The voice changes from 7 to 8, from verse 7 to 8. and 8, it's now God's voice. At least most commentators would argue for that. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Now, every time I've read this Psalm, that part has always kind of been like a dagger in a wrong way. I'm like, ah, oh, goodness, Lord, thank you, teach me, yes. <laughs> I want to walk in your ways, yes, teach me. All right, look at the coach. The coach who just is like, hey, you got talent. I'm going to get it out of you. Let's do some sit-ups. Let's do some push-ups. Let's shoot some hoops. Let's run some suicides. Suicides! Let's go! Right? And he just works you and works you and works you. And you're like, please, give me a break. I can't escape you. That's not what this God is doing. That's not who this God is. He's not going to drive you. He's not going to beat you over the head. This is, hey, let me in. I'm going to counsel you. I'm gonna give you special attention. My eye is on you. This is the the the, the father in the stands, right? And this was me. When I would make a basket, I look at my, my dad and see him smiling. Right? And that's all I wanted to see. It was just my dad smile at me when he made a basket. We hear my dad go, All right! right! Well done. He didn't actually say that stuff, but something like that, you know. Way to play, Dolby! Way to play! Right? That's my son! That's what you want your father to say to you. I'm proud of you. You're the man. You go. That's what he's saying right here. I will instruct you. I will come alongside of you. I will embrace you. The nuts part is, guys, when you're in that pit of shame that you don't want anyone else to see, and you're just getting eaten up, guess who's there with you? For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Even in your shame, when you're trying to cover it all up and you don't want anyone else to see it, and you're deceiving yourself, God is saying, I'm stepping in. I'm activating your conscience. I'm engaging you. Come on out. Come to me. Come to me. I love you. I will instruct you. And then this last part, which I always thought was just kind of like the, the, the really painful thing. Do not be like a horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and a bridle, or they will not come to you. Like Jesus is saying, hey, just don't be like that stupid mule. <laughs> don't be like that horse, you stubborn jerk. No. No, God is actually saying, hey, this is what's in our in our hearts. We won't want to come to you, right? That's what, he's, that's what That's what the bridle and the bit are for. If you don't put a bridle and bit in their mouth, they will not come to you. God is calling you into relationship with him. This isn't. Don't be stubborn, because I'll break your back. He's saying, "Don't be like those mules. Don't be like those horses. They only come to me because I make them. Because I put a bridle in their mouth, a bit, and I force, and they would, and you would force them." Right. This is our posture, friends. We we sang about it not long ago. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, take and seal it. And God is saying, I've done that. I've got you. I've got you and I won't let you go even if you depart from me. Even if you want away from me like a mule or like a horse, I'm going to come back and I'm going to grab you and I'm going to pull you in. Because I love you. Time for the great ending. I started the timer this time. (laughs) didn't do much for me. (laughs) Um... Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord as he, and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright at heart. Many are the woes of the wicked. Many is the anguish, much is the, you know what I'm trying to say, the anguish of those who keep it covered. Is great. It'll get to you. God is saying, Don't come to me. But the Lord the Lord's unfailing love surrounds, envelops, and consumes the man who trusts in him. Trust is translated as the person who just lays out face down on the floor in front of the Lord. You are completely vulnerable. You are completely powerless. You're giving up any kind of aggressive position. You're on the Lord. You're open. And he's saying, when you do that, I surround you with love. I surround you with my love. Know that. Come to me. Come to me, my friends. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. It's the... uh. The inclusio, as we like to call it, it begins with "Be glad, rejoice, blessed is the man, blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins is covered, blessed is the man whose the Lord does not count against him, whose iniquity the Lord does not count against him." That word for blessed, and this is just this is the end. Um, in Hebrew, as I was translating this, it's Asher. And I, when we chose the name for Asher, and hold on, I'm going to make you guys hold me to this. This is a promise that you have to hear. And if you ever, you, you, you need to check up with me. Right now, Asher's too young to know what I'm even saying. He's not listening. He's staring at Moses. That's okay. He will get to the age where me talking about him from here will drive him nuts. All right? I promise Asher... That I will not do this unless I talk to him first. And if I do make an illustration that Asher's the point, I want you to come and talk to me and be like, Sam, did you ask him? Don't go and talk to him. Please don't go talk to him. Come and talk to me first. Be like, hey, did you ask him? So that's my, that's my, that's that. Asher's name is Blessed or Happy. And it's what Liesl was talking about earlier. What are we ingraining in our kids? Guys, I long that Asher would always know that he is that happy, blessed man. Not because he's a sinless guy, but because he's got a father who loves him, who gave his own son, that he would live, that he would never know this shame, this anguish, this nastiness, and never have to feel like he has to cover it up. But that he would know his father loves him. And that's not me. And I want you to know that too, friends. Your father sent his own son to love you. He sent his own son to die for you, to sacrifice himself for you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. May you know this peace. May you know this peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make us happy men and women. Happy men and women who know that they're sinners. And know that You're greater. Know that You love us. Know that You've taken our iniquity and You've covered it. That You've lifted it off of us. That You've removed it from us. And that we are healed. And have no more shame in Your presence. Let us know this. Let these people know this. And may they live in it. In Your name I pray. Amen.